Camille Joy, the host of the Moments of Joy podcast. This podcast is dedicated to super moms that don't always feel so super, trauma victims that need an example of how God can bring you through, and for those of you that are looking for a little joy. Welcome to the show. I need the joy, the joy of the Lord in my heart. I need to make an exchange. Welcome back to another episode of the Moments of Joy podcast. MVPs, I have to salute you at the beginning of every show, so nothing's different from this one. I love you. I thank you. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for commenting. Thank you for subscribing. Um, You guys make this show worth it. If this is your first or maybe second time on the Moments of Joy podcast, I invite you to enjoy the amazing episodes that I have put forth for you. Go back into the archives and listen, binge, and find out what this show is all about. I shifted somewhere um, at the end of last year where we used to be a podcast for all women, but I narrowed it down to mommies. And I know there's still listeners who are not moms and some are even guys, um, but the mommy community was coming so strong that I decided to pivot and switch the base of the show to mommyhood. And so I thank you for joining us. If you have not already, please do me a favor and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Leave us, uh, you can do the stars or the written review. The written reviews are so amazing and needed, but it helps me to be aware of what you think of the podcast. It helps our podcast to be boosted and put into the faces of other people that are listening just like you. So, um, this episode, I'm sitting down with a new friend of mine, and her name is Anna. Anna is an amazing clinical coach, self-care consultant, therapist, and published author. Anna has nearly a decade of experience working with children and families in the Boston area. Her experience ranges from case manager to homeless families to working with children with severe emotional disturbances and in-home therapy. She also provides consulting services in college settings and serves as a clinical coach to college students who are navigating through college independently. Anna's personal battle and win against PTSD and depression has set a fire within her to bring awareness to mental health issues, primarily in the black and brown communities. And today, I'm going to sit down and chat with her about her journey. This is a good one, guys. Hi, guys. I'm so excited today to have with me my new buddy, Anna. Anna, welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you so much, Camille. (laughs) I met Anna as a fellow um, Christian influencer, and the first day I laid eyes on her, the Holy Spirit just connected us, as he does. (laughs) And I knew that I had to reach out to her and have her on the show. And so talking to her a little bit, I was just, um, you know, touched by the Holy Spirit, you know, as he does. So Anna... Tell us a little bit about yourself and your business and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Camille, for having me on. 
it is truly an honor and man god has been working mm-hmm. doing a thing because i was like it was just an instant connection when when we spoke and i was like you know you just feel it yeah know? yeah and it's all god so mm-hmm. i'm grateful for that and i'm grateful for this connection so thank you so much you're welcome um, but yeah, just a little bit about me. So I'm a mental health coach and consultant, as well as an author, speaker, influencer, blogger, and the host of the Community Well podcast. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, all those titles, at the end of the day, I'm like a servant of God, whatever God wants me to do in whatever platform or whatever space, I'm just going to do it. Um, but my business, I primarily help um you know, women, families, and organizations to really um, identify and break down those mental and emotional barriers that prevent them from truly flourishing and and being who God created them to be. Mm -hmm. I also inspire wives and moms, um, you know, to heal the childhood wounds so that Mm -hmm. they can create an atmosphere for their marriages and their children to thrive. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a huge thing. That is a big thing. And, um, I think a lot of people don't even recognize that even in adulthood, you know, even if you don't deal with those childhood wounds, you could be 60 or 70 still being affected. See what I'm saying? Absolutely. By your childhood. Yeah. And so I'm so glad that you're shining a light on that so that we can begin to just break, um, you know, those curses off of God's people. Yes. Amen. And that's what it's all about is just breaking those curses because we, we kind of say it, but we truly, sometimes we don't do the work. You know what I mean? And, and it truly takes the work and, and it's hard because you have to be vulnerable, transparent, and really dig deep in order um, to identify what those curses are and really, um, you know, the faith in the practical. Pray fast okay. and also, um, you know, in the practical set boundaries and, and those type of things. Absolutely. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the why behind your brand? Um, because that is very specific. Um, yes. Yeah. So what is the why behind that? Yeah, absolutely. So the why in general, I just really want to um, break down the stigma associated with mental health um, so that we can flourish. I feel like we're so limited by a lot of mental and emotional stuff that prevents us from truly thriving and being everything that God has called us to be. And sometimes we're kind of just surviving, but God calls us to live a life in full. And to live life to the fullest, we need to, you know, do the work and do that mental and emotional work. But it's hard when there are so many, you know, stigmas associated with it. So we don't want to get the help and we don't want to be vulnerable and transparent. And I know that's firsthand um, by my story, you know, my journey and my struggle. And so I overcame PTSD and depression. And so I knew that other people were struggling too. And I just wanted to, you know, walk in my freedom so others can do the same. Thank you so much. So you talked about um, PTSD. And so can you tell us a little bit about that journey and where that came from? Yeah, absolutely. So I struggled with PTSD and severe depression from the age of 14, 15 until uh, my early 20s when I got married and had my first child. Um, I really noticed it when I had my first child, um, you know, what happens when you're uh, pregnant and you have mental health issues is that those issues and illnesses become exacerbated. Um, and, you know, for, for me, it was, you know, postpartum, but I already had a lot of underlying issues. Um, and so I'll go forward and then backward. But, you know, after I had then my second child, it became, um, at that time, I was walking in my healing um, because I, I was in grad school to become a counselor. And I was like, okay, if I'm going to be a therapist, I really need to be in the other seat. 
Um, and so I went to therapy and then I was like, oh, this is deeper. There's a lot of stuff. So I was undiagnosed for over a decade, you know, and I didn't know. Um, but looking back, it's like, you know, I was in high school and I was like, so upbeat and I was like oh and just a bright light but when I would go home I was crying myself to sleep I was um you know substance issues substance abuse issues because I was drinking all the time in order to numb the pain and really deal um and I was eating I had uh, you know um a food addiction so it was alcohol and food was really helping me to just show up the next day and pretend um so I'm of Dominican background and so you know in the black and brown cultures you don't talk about um mental health issues or that anything is wrong you just pretend and so I really learned um for me um how to just pretend and how to get by um but everything stemmed from a lot of my childhood so I was molested at a young age um and even before that when I was born um my father abandoned my mother and I and I say that but you know there's always three sides and so um I never really got deep down into um, why my father, my biological father was never in the picture, um, but he wasn't in the picture. And so my mother was 43. When she had me, she had already had children. She didn't want me. So at that point, you know, that stuff already is registered in a baby's brain when, you know, the mom is pregnant. And so I had a lot of uh, unworthiness and feeling unwanted and rejection and that type of stuff. Um, you know, and then I had my dad that took on the responsibility uh, to raise me, but I, I always felt like something, you know, like a disconnect. So I didn't find out he wasn't my father until much later um, and didn't meet my biological father until I was 16, the day before he passed. Um, right. So it's all the secrets and the trauma from being molested and, you know, fast forward feeling like I didn't belong, right? Because I was, you know, of Dominican background. But when I was in Dominican Republic, you know, I wasn't, um, Dominican enough. And when I was here, I wasn't, you know, American enough. And, you know, I wasn't black enough and all these things of not feeling enough and, and not finding a place for me and feeling just rejected all around. Um, you know, so then I attempted suicide twice um, while I was in high school. Um, you know, later on in college, I was raped. I mean, you name it, it was just like one thing after the other that just contributed and continued to, um, you know, validate the, the lies wow. that the enemy had planted at a young age, you know? Yeah, that, that validate the lies. Yeah. Oh my goodness. You yeah. said so much. Um, one yeah. thing I want to highlight is that you said you were showing up at school, um, happy and fun and going home and crying and, um, falling to, into substance abuse in high school. Yes. Right. And so what are some of the signs for parents who may um, just be seeing the show up part of their child and not even have any idea that they're struggling with substance abuse? Yeah, absolutely. That's such a great question. Um, I think I'll, I'll talk about sort of some of my stuff and sort of my clients as well, because I had the opportunity to work with children and families during my previous work. Um, but a lot I did a lot of spending alone time and so we have to be careful when to give children the space to spend time alone especially teenagers to have sort of that independence to kind of you know um, spend that time however they want but we also need to set boundaries right we can't leave the the devices and all these different things even at a young age now where we're just like oh you can go in there play video games as long as you're out of my hair and I know it's hard so I'm saying this as a mom um, but 
you know, sometimes we're just like, oh, go in there, watch TV, whatever it is. But I spent a lot of time in my room and I didn't want to hang out with anybody. So my mom would be like, oh, come hang out. And I'm like, no, I'm all set. I'm just going to go to my room. Um, you know, so kind of just rejecting wanting to be around people. And I think when a child or teenager is like super outgoing, hanging out with people, and then all of a sudden they start retreating and start declining on the things that they, they used to enjoy doing. Um, so not wanting... Um, not wanting to shower and not wanting to get cute. Uh, those were some of my things because I'm like, I would, you know, be like well presented or whatever because I had to like, I'm going to do my hair, I'm going to do this. And I was like, you know, but then it got to a point where I was just like, I don't want to. And it was just more than just being tired. Um, so those were some of those things. And I've seen, you know, a lot of behavior things in, in the children that I've worked with where it's all of a sudden they're lashing out um, you know, they're slamming things, punching things. And so it just comes off as anger, um, where it could be, you know, depression, anxiety or something else. Um, so definitely behavior changes. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Oh my God. That is such a, an eye opener. Um, because transparently I have a 13 year old and he likes to spend a lot of time in his room. I'm I know that he, he is in therapy and so not to overexpose his business, but I love that though. You just showed me what it is. <laughs> yeah. And the Which I confirms, you know, why he's in there. Yeah. Yeah. And my kids, I mean, my kids are a lot smaller, but it, you know, it starts young. I have a 10 year old boy and I have, a, um, I'm going to say 13. He's not 13 yet. He acts like he's eight, <laughs> you know, so I have a 10 year old boy and eight year old boy. And then my little girl, you know, um, she's 15 months old, but the boys, they also, it's also personality and it's, yeah. and it's hard because we have so much stuff to do, right. but I always tell myself to pause and study them. So personality wise my middle child is an introvert mm -hmm. so he does like spending alone time right. and that kind of stuff um but I'm also like okay what other alone time can you spend can you spend right. it not in front of a tv because also some of the technology um can kind of depending on what they're watching can also feed the lies like we're talking about of the enemy mm. you know so depending on what they're watching and then you know my 10 year old um, he's super outgoing and he's all of that. And so what I had to do, you know, transparently as well, last year, you know, I have to work. And so I'm kind of like, oh, sure, you can play video games and kind of extending that time. And then all of a sudden mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, you don't want to hang out with the family? Right. That's not like you, you know, and in the midst of right. the pandemic, their mental health was affected as well. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's difficult. Because yeah. You wouldn't notice those little things. It's kind of like, oh, they're hanging out. Absolutely. Yes. Um, and now, as you talked about so much trauma and so much um, not being accepted by your Dominican race and, and then um, here in America, I would have never even thought of that point of view. Yeah, yeah, that was a huge contributor because I just felt identity was a huge piece for me, right? Because um, that is validated, you know, when you're young. Right. And so being for my mom, you know, she did the best she could with what she had and what she knew. Right. Um, but I, I don't think that she saw some of those things or, or how to help me in that aspect. But, you know, I just felt like I wasn't worthy or, you know, being molested. I really that just taught me that experience taught me that I was that my only my body was um, like worthy. Mm. Object. You know what I mean? Wow. Wow. So, 
identity, I struggled so much with my identity for years, even throughout when I became a mom, because then I was a stay-at-home mom with Mm -hmm. my first son, and I felt like my identity is just being a mom and just being a wife. Like, I have no value. That's all that I am, you know? Mm. So, yeah, that identity piece, Oh, my gosh. Wow. It's so funny. Uh, My husband said to me one day, Camille, um, the children are children only for a short while, but we're adults much longer than we are children. But it's so um, impactful that even though we are children in a smaller amount of time, that is the time that matters the most. Like it carries the most weight as far as trauma, right? Um, What way you, you were brought up. Hmm. It still carries weight at 40 and 50 years old. Isn't that insane? It really is. I love the way your husband said it because it's so true. It's such a short period of time, but it's like so, it's so powerful. And it's a foundation for everything else. And one thing you pointed out was even in the womb. Yes. Yeah. I think that's what, I mean, I feel like people know it, but it's like, Mm -hmm. we don't really really pay attention to it. All those things, the mom feels, the stress, all those different things the the baby's registering absolutely wow and so as you had gone through any of that were was your mom oblivious totally no so i wrote about in my book as you can see it back here i just realized it i'm like oh i did oh yes (laughs) (laughs) i I wrote about my story from survival mode to greatness because i really you know god was like share your story and i was like okay whatever you want me to do god and so i wrote my story and i wrote um some of the things i struggled with but Mm -hmm. you know one of the the chapters i write about um the shame that i felt and how it was further confirmed sometimes by the things that my mom would say. And she didn't mean it mm-hmm. in any way. You know, yeah. she was what she learned as, as someone who's Dominican, a Dominican woman, you're like, we don't talk about our stuff. And also, I think the other thing as parents is that when something happens to our child, that's wrong and whatever, you know, we registered it as I'm a bad mm-hmm. mom. Yeah. You know? So in a way to kind of defend herself, I remember, um, I don't, and I'm trying to think the first or the second time. I, I attempted to, I think it was the second time, uh, suicide attempt. I had, you know, ingested a bunch of pills, a bunch of her pills. And I was like laying in bed, just like, you know, the physical reaction to this thing. And one of her friends came to visit and was like, oh, are you okay? And she like put her hand on my forehead and she's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah. And before I can even say anything, my mom's like, yeah, she just took the wrong pills. Mm. You know, and you know, I don't know what I expected for her to share what had happened, but right. that, you know, further just added to the shame that I already felt. Mm. So wow. I think my mom was also in denial. I mean, I was like, I also had a lot of um, aggressive behavior and like really like a lot of anger issues um, mm-hmm. at home. I really didn't show my anger issues that, that much, like out in school and things like that. But in the house, like, my mom would say, like, I look like my siblings from my father's side, and I had so much hatred and anger, and mm-hmm. I would punch walls and, like, slam the door and, like, that type of stuff, and, you know, so part of her was kind of like, oh, she's being a teenager, and it's the changes that they go through, but then I think part of her knew there was something there and that I, I was sad, so she, you know, she would try her best. She was like, oh, you know, come watch the soap opera with me and, like, come hang out with me, so she she really tried, but I think there was a part of her that didn't want it to be true, mm-hmm. you know. So. And and also, I think that um, 
the generation that they were and the generation that we are are so different as we talked about therapy openly and you know I love therapy because I I was never taught to value it either um but I'm teaching my children that oh my it's not for crazy people like our culture likes to think it is it doesn't have to even be something wrong right we just relocated and I um the therapist told me um about culture shock and so as much as I had heard it I didn't actually know it was something that could affect you on a deep level like that right that you may need to talk through um so I think that they um that generation comes from the you know what happens in this house stays in this house yeah you know you better not tell my business absolutely yep (laughs) Yep, or let anyone in, and there they were a lot more um, harshly judged yeah. for things, you know, than we are now, you know. So absolutely, I so agree. Listen, that whole what happens in this house stays in this house is a huge one, and they definitely had that just program. This is this is what we do. We don't talk about our our house business, but it's just the family business, mm-hmm. and that definitely had an impact as well because it's like. Oh, you know, like if I went to school and someone asked me, it's like, oh, you can't tell people your business. Right. Um, But I'm with you too on the transition. You know, we transitioned um, and moved from Massachusetts to Georgia. Mm. um, I looked at my husband. I was like, oh, we're going to therapy because (laughs) now we don't have support here. And in the midst of a pandemic, we had a whole baby. My gosh. Yes, us too. I was like, we're going to therapy, honey. The very same thing. Absolutely. Wow. It was a lot, especially um, going through the pandemic, but you have no one here, um, you know, where you live. I don't know about you, but we didn't have family. Yeah. And then it's totally different than where you've lived forever. Yeah. And you know what happens during the transition, at least for, for me, well, me specifically also, because I had a baby, we moved and we went from like, three, four different incomes, mm-hmm. um, a lot of them being active, right. to one. And so now I'm back to the stay-at-home mom place, right, that messed me up with the first kid. Yeah. When the enemy tries wow. to come again with these things of like, so you're just a mom. So Come on. Yes, absolutely. Transparently as can be, I, I struggled with this, like, okay, here me we too. go. Now I got three kids. Mm-hmm. And from like these titles of like you know I'm a coach I'm a this and I have all these streams of income mm-hmm. so now this transition that's stretching me to no like to no end I was like oh my god I but am so appreciative for this conversation um <laughs> because I can totally relate uh that was us here so I decided to leave my job last um in 2019 in December in Texas because um I was at the top of my career, but here it was a greater pull where at home I would just work eight hours and come home. Here I would be at the job for 12 or 13 hours. And on top, we have an autistic son, you know, and my husband was working. So I, it, that just, it didn't work. So I made the decision not just to leave, but to not go back. So in this um, stage of, all right, now I'm going to try to be a full-time entrepreneur, um, slash stay-at-home mom, right? And I'm learning about autism. I found myself in that same place. So one day, I was dealing with, I was so angry. And I was like, God, why am I angry? You know, my husband's making an income, and he's able to provide for us. Why am I so angry? And the Lord 
said, you're not in control. That's why. Oh, was, I, I was like, oh, I had control issues. That I had to relinquish to God and allow him to be in control ultimately, right? It's not my husband that I'm, I'm like, oh, he's, he's in control. No, it's God, right? And he put him at the head, let him be at the head, and let me relinquish the control to God. So that was a real thing that, that I had to go through. So listening to you, like, yes. <laughs> Ooh, listen, I'm like, I just want to shout because it's the same thing. That's why, that's why we connected yeah. in so many different Levels. And I'm we like, had no idea of no the story idea. until now. Yes, yeah, absolutely. But it's so true. It's like, I'm like, I have control issues. And I'd like to think I don't, but I do. Yeah. Yeah. And and it and then it comes from, I believe, you know, going through so much trauma and um, you know, it taking back your power. Yes. 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 And then yeah. And so now you're like, you know, you, you don't even realize that you're in a place of, you know, nobody's going to control me. Nobody's going to hurt me. Right. And then you carry that over. Yeah, absolutely. Not knowing yeah. that the greatest form of taking back our power is really surrendering to God. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so let's talk about climbing out, climbing out of all that trauma. What yeah. was that like? What was that journey like? Oof, man, it was, it was painful. Um, it was, it was insane. I really look back. I remember that period of time where I really, I remember laying in bed um, and my children were downstairs with my husband and I might have, I had a conversation with my husband and I just remember like yelling because it was just like when you're depressed, you know, that anger and that rage is different from like a mom yell. You know, when you're yelling at your kids and you're like, oh, whatever, you're frustrated. But when there's an anger and like this deep like just rage um and I remember then just feeling so guilty and I, I went upstairs I laid in bed and I was just sobbing and I was like God if you don't take this pain away I don't know what I'm gonna do and I really contemplated leaving my family at that point I was like the boys would be better off with my husband I could just leave you know, and, and, and I know now, right, like knowing now that I've been called to help wives and moms and to help marriages and families, I know why he was attacking me so hard specifically in that aspect because it was really like loud, the voice to leave, you know, my family to leave my marriage. You know, they would be better off. You're, you're like, you don't even deserve this family, you know, those type of lies. And so I remember laying in bed and I was like, this is insane. I can't do this. Um, and then I remembered I fasted. And so I did a 60 day fast. I did just water. I think it was like water and raw juice and crackers. Cause I was like, we gotta have some crackers in there. I think I was taking medication, but, um, I was, you know, if I had to take Tylenol or anything, whatever, I was like, but I was like, this is my fast. I'm giving you everything during these 60 days. And of course, you know, you feel the physical symptoms. Like it was like detoxing, you know, from mm. absolutely everything and detoxing yeah. life and just mental detox of all the negative thoughts and all these mm. things. So, you know, it was extremely painful. Some days, you know, physically, I felt like I couldn't go on. And yeah. on some days mentally, I felt like, you know, I can't do this. Um, and it's crazy because of course the enemy comes to attack. I remember I was finding my voice again and really diving deep into my identity. And I remember being at this meeting for work and they, we were in a large room and they asked a question and I had raised my hand um, and they completely looked over me. 
Mm. And so talk about feeding the lie of, of being rejected, overlooked, and not worthy enough. And wow. so I had a lot of moments like that during my fast that it was like the enemy was trying to use to be like, you see, God is not going to come through for you and all these different things. So, um, man, and at that time when I did that fast, I was, and this is not like a badge of honor. Just remember, like sometimes right. I have to remind myself how far I've come, how yes. far I've come and how far I have fought, um, and how far God has brought me, you know, but at that time I was, um, I was in grad school mm-hmm. I, I was working, I was working part-time. I was doing my internship. I had two small children, Mm. um, you know, three-year-old and one-year-old, and I was married on top of ministry and all these different things, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but I gave it all to God. And I remember I was walking in my healing. I was going to therapy. So I always talk about the, the, the fasting because there's some stuff in the spiritual that needs that God, only God can do. Yeah where I went to therapy and I leaned on a friend or two I I slowly opened up like hey you know this happened to me trusted people that I could talk to um but man when I started really walking on the other side that I was like oh you did it God you Uh healed me like I no longer have flashbacks I no longer have you know this deep pain where I just want to cry all day and I can't get up and I can't move my Uh body um and it was like mind-blowing that's why when he was like share your story yes sir Yes. Whoever will listen, I will share my story. I I thank you for describing that in such detail, because I think that there may be a mom that's listening that may not even realize that they need to go through that type of healing, right? If they're experiencing those type of symptoms, because um, you, you at the time had that relationship with Christ to know that, all right, I need to fast and, you know, I need to gut this out but there are some women who are not on that level yet. And so I'm glad, I'm glad that you um, described it in such detail and said that there are only some things, there are some things that only God can do, right? Because we need him and we need therapy, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because he's the one that's going to deliver us. Yes. Right. So we can't put um, the the created thing above the creator. See what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That part. absolutely absolutely so when he began to tell um have you share your story um did it did it begin in the form of you writing the book or in other ways as well it was in other ways as well it was speaking so I was actually just thinking about this today because you know he's having me pivot in the season and I'm like kind of fighting it um to be completely transparent I'm like you want me to do what God but it's always a conversation we have with God right especially (laughs) yeah it's like you really want me to do that? But, you know, he told me, share your story. And I was like, oh, okay, definitely. So I started calling up organizations that I was affiliated with because I was like, I just need to put myself in front of an audience. Uh-huh. Two to three people, I don't care. I just want to speak. And so I, you know, was part of the Lawrence Boys and Girls Club in Lawrence, Massachusetts. and went to Northeastern University in Boston. So I reached out to these different organizations and I was like, you know, um, hey, this is my story. This is what I struggled with. You may not have known. I know because this is what I struggled with, but I know other people are struggling as well. And I think it'd be really helpful. Yeah. And I didn't hear back from a few places, but I heard back from Northeastern University. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in a scholarship. I received a full ride to Northeastern, which I didn't really talk about that. But in college, that was a whole different beast. I received a full scholarship, first generation college student, 
Wow. Everything's paid for. I mean, from I even had a card um, to pay for food wherever I wanted to eat. That was wow, wow. Anything, but then again, feeling like not worthy of being in this space or having this this college, um, mm-hmm. this scholarship program. Um, but, but that I, proves I, that through it all, God's hand in His favor had been on you the whole time. The whole time. The whole time. Even the right? way I graduated. Like I don't know how I graduated. Wow. But he was there, and he was like, mm-hmm. it's like he was carrying me the whole time. Yes. He was sustaining wow. me the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm glad you said that, because it's true. If it, if it had not been for God, I mean, I don't know where I would have been. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So before we wrap up, I want you to just give um, a tailored message to the mothers that may be listening, um, that may hear themselves in your story, or, you know, just be just now um, through hearing you speak um, are being enlightened um, to know that they need to go through a healing process as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was, it was really simple, but just three words is you are worthy mm-hmm. and you know, we can expand and you are worthy of taking care of yourself. You are worthy of prioritizing yourself. You are worthy of pouring into your, your cup first before you fill others up you are not only worthy of that, um, but you should because it is not selfish to pour into your own cups first. It is an, the greatest act of service because when we pour into our cups first, we're able to give our best. I think about it as the overflow, right? When we have nothing in our cups, we're just running on fumes. And not only are we being harmed, but we're harming those around us because we're just giving them leftovers. And sometimes we have nothing give, left to give, so it's not the best. So when you pour into your cup first, there is an overflow. There's enough for you and everyone around. So you're giving them the best of the best. So I see it as the highest form of service. Um, So yeah, you are worthy. You are worthy. And you spoke about pouring into your cup. So what are some examples of pouring into your cup? Yeah. Um, so for me personally, I, my morning routine is on lock. I can go to sleep so late, but I, you know, pouring into my cup, I need God first. Mm. So for me, I personally, that time with him, I treasure it. I value it. Um, so I spend time with him and make sure that his voice is the first one I hear before anything else. Sometimes, you know, we can get distracted and go on social media first, but I talk to him first. Um, I read in the mornings. I'm going through like a Bible study now. It's a Deborah anointing. So making sure that I'm the stuff that I'm reading is like one of those things that just gives you like all the Holy Spirit vibes. You're like, yes, yeah. and you feel so full. And it speaks to my identity and reminds mm-hmm. me who I am. Um, I have entire vision board to my left. Um, wow. You know, that just tells me and reminds me who I am. Yeah. I am a disciple. I am a warrior. I remind myself of who I am. I affirm myself. You know, I talk to myself in the mirror and I tell myself who I am and how I'm going to show up. You know, I go to the gym, I move my body, I dance, I sing. I don't do those things very well, very coordinated, but I do it because I enjoy it. You know, I free flow. And so I just, you know, turn on worship music and I'm just dancing in my living room. Yeah. I create, I love putting collages together. I love painting. Um, so pouring into your cup is just, you know, finding out what you love to do that just makes your like heart just like want to come out of your chest that you feel mm-hmm. so good doing um, and doing more of that. 
That's good. And I think that sometimes that can get lost, especially being a mom. Um, you don't even know what you love. You yeah. have time to think about that sometimes. Mm-hmm. We're just thinking about keeping these humans alive, mind, body, and soul. There's just so much to it. And it just pulls at you. And it can be so tiring that you don't have time to think mm-hmm. about yourself sometimes. Yep. And I think that it equally goes for single moms and for married moms. I think sometimes single moms um, have this thing in their head. And and I know I'm saying it because I did. You have a a thought that when you get married, everything is going to be perfect. You're going to have a husband and, and then, you know, no, it's not perfect. You're still the load of a mother is the load of a mother. We are the glue that holds our families together right talk about it yeah right absolutely and so um that even that even reminded me of some things that i need to um continue to pour into myself um with so thank you anna you're so welcome yes well all right that is it for today i want to thank you for joining us today and tell the people again where they can find you and about your programs and how they can enter and join you yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Camille. So you all can find me definitely Anna Tibisay Ayubiojo. That's A-N-A. My middle name is T-I-B-I-S-A-Y Ayubiojo, A-Y-O-B-I-O-J-O. It's a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> but that's my Instagram. That's mostly where I'm at, although I'm on a break until the 19th of January. Um, you can find me also. My website is com, and you'll find my services. You'll find my blog. You'll find the podcast. You'll find everything on my website. So that's probably the, the easiest way to find that's me. Awesome. And I'll link everything in the description of this the show so that they can find you easily. Awesome. Thank you so much for me. You're welcome. Thank you. All righty. Yeah. All right. Talk to you soon. Yes. Bye, right. y'all. Bye.